0: to Lent. It's Lent, everyone. Oh, let there be light. Um, Lent, for those of you who are unfamiliar, is the 40 days leading up to Easter that traces the path, that traces Jesus' path to the cross and remembers his 40 days in the desert leading up to his public ministry. It's a time to prepare ourselves for Easter and all that it brings a time for reflection and fasting, for letting go of things, to give our full attention to the parts of life which involve sacrifice, loss, grief, and disappointment. Lent is the time that we pay attention to the shadow side of life, an opportunity to prepare ourselves for when life isn't a cakewalk, but when faithfulness costs us something, really costs us something. Lent is one of those seasons that our community finds far easier than Advent. (laughs) Our three enthusiasts left left last year, so it's just us now. Um, For this Lenten season, we want to sit with the story of Jesus' temptation in the desert and explore the ways in which he lived out of that in the years to come. In particular, we're going to look at the idea of false paths, ways of living and being which on the surface appear good, but ultimately cause us to sacrifice authenticity and wholeness. We're gonna call this series, this little mini series leading up to Lent, Finding Our Way Home. Yeah, false paths and authentic lives. Because there's one thing we really seek here is to live with a sense of authenticity and honesty not pretending that things are some other way than the, the way they really are, and having a listening ear to where the Spirit might be calling us in the everyday. Forty is a significant number to the Hebrews. They spent 40 years in the wilderness before reaching the promised land. Moses fasted for 40 days before receiving the Ten Commandments, um, well, some commandments and then breaking them and then receiving some other commandments. <laughs> I saw a petition recently from someone in the states to like put up the Ten Commandments outside all the courthouses, because the Commandments—you know how like in the states they've got like the Ten Commandments outside courthouses and stuff. Well, they're actually like not the Ten Commandments; they're the Commandments that God first gave, that got like broken, and then He gave the ones called the Ten Commandments, which are like, "Don't boil a goat in its mother's milk" and things like this. So I think that'd be much better. Um, Body is symbolic of preparation, not just for great loss, but also for great success. Without preparation, either of these things can lead us to destructive ways of being. Success, triumph, and tragedy all bring something out of us. If you were here a few weeks ago, when we were talking, when Rod ruined a TV show called The Cry, talking about living in a way that builds an arc, that prepares us um, for moments when life comes at us us in unexpected ways. Developing maturity, discerning what kind of people God is inviting us to be, and listening to how that shapes the story of our lives. What we see when we study Jesus in the desert, what we see in these preparation stories in the Hebrew Scriptures, is that what matters is not so much whether we win or lose, but how we win and lose. Not so much about whether we make it in the eyes of those around us, but whether we're faithful to the kind of person God invites us to be. This is what it is to be authentic. Throughout his life, Jesus tastes great moments of outward success and moments of deep anguish and betrayal. At one moment, he turns down great accolades when people are trying to crown him, and another accepts deep adoration. None of these things seem to shift him from his path. He has his eyes set. And somehow, this all ties into why he thinks he's here, why he believes he's alive, why he was sent. A deep knowledge of this is what it is to be authentic. So today, we're going to open up the story of Jesus being led into the desert. Um, and we're going to sit with the text. And the way that, if you're new around here, the way that our community tries to approach Scripture, um, many of us are terrified of it. <laughs> In part because of ways that we've been taught that we have to engage with it. Ways that have traumatized us. And so whenever we come to Scripture, we try and come with openness and curiosity and wonder. Rather than trying to deduce the one thing that someone told us that we have to believe that it says. To try and open ourselves to what's strange about it, to what we haven't noticed before. Rather than closing it down to a single bullet point, we try and at least begin by opening it up. So, our job here is not to give answers or spout conclusions, but to open the text up rather than closing it down. What haven't you seen before? What seems odd? What is strange? What doesn't make sense? What annoys you? What gives you hope? What stands out? So, our practice as a community is to sit with um, these two questions when we look at Scripture, I notice and I wonder. Um, We're also a dialoguing community, so um, we like to hear the voices in the congregation. Those of us who um, get to work here and help um, curate the space, we see our role as kind of setting a table so that we can all dine together. And so we like hearing the voices within our community. This is a, a good chance for that. Um, the two rules of this space when we're engaging in Scripture are your statement has to begin with, I notice or I wonder. And it has to end with a question mark. Because <laughs> what we're not here to do for this little piece is tell each other what the answer is. It's to open ourselves to what the Spirit might be leading us to ask. So we're going to read the passage. Um, Which is up here again my powerpoints are never in order which is just a sign of deep humility again we're anti-excellence and pro-participation um i've got a copy of this here is anyone would anyone like to read the bible this morning to us we can sit with it together i get so sick of my own voice thank you this is ali if you haven't met her you'll need this. Sorry, it's glued to my hand. I have control issues.
1: Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, one does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands, they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time.
0: So you just sit with that for a moment. Um,
1: I, When I read this, I noticed that in every day in my life I come across temptations and things that I think, whoops, I shouldn't have said that, and I wonder if I could just, before I do anything, just take a few moments and maybe even just pray about it, that, I wonder whether I can really combat those temptations in my daily life.
2: I uh I wonder how we're meant to read this. I wonder whether we should read it as the devil as a literal person there. Or I wonder whether we should read it as Jesus' humanity and the brokenness of the world. That he's in being the thing that's actually tempting him.
1: I wonder if it's just like a great example of like proof texting versus proof texting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also, I wonder. Um, it says for forty days he was tempted by the devil, and I wonder like whether this is the only temptation, or there's some like really interesting ones we're not here.
3: I wonder where this story came from. Hmm. I noticed that it feels a bit like this kind of fencing match between Jesus. Like they sort of say, hello, devil, hello, Jesus. And they kind of do their little sparring back and forth. It's like, cool, that was fun. I will depart until later. time. Like it's very. I wonder about the emotion within it, how it actually felt.
0: Mm. Yeah, it feels quite formulaic, doesn't it? Like there's a whole, yeah, there's a whole depth. Yeah, there's a whole depth of emotional, I mean, like the closest we get is famished. Like I notice how Jesus' body is brought up in here. And many of us have kind of been trained to see Jesus kind of floating two feet off the earth. I like Trip Fuller's observation of Jesus as the God of nocturnal emissions. That we forget that, oh, yep, yeah, that we forget that Jesus had a body and flesh and ached like we do. Mm. Which way am I going? This way.
3: the the first two kind of trials, um, you know later on, Jesus does you know create bread with the feeding of the five thousand, and that um, you know he is praised by everyone after his death, but uh, I wonder what the significance is is that he is thrown down, you know near the temple towards the end of Of his life on Earth. Mm -hmm. I wonder how Luke came to hear about this story. Um, Did Jesus tell him? Was he actually there? And we don't actually see it written. But I'm guessing that's never how it's presented. Um, Yeah, just how did he tell the story, and or how did he hear about the story? And I wonder. how Jesus told it, if he did,
0: yeah,
2: I just wonder why the Holy Spirit, or if Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit, why he would lead him into the wilderness to be tempted.
0: I find that a bit frightening question mark, <laughs> <laughs> never follow a pigeon anywhere. <laughs> like how the Holy Spirit did that. I like to think it was an actual dove that Jesus was chasing.
1: Yeah, um, yeah the, the third one in particular stood out for me because uh, there is that kind of school of thought that if you just have the right kind of faith, then nothing bad will happen to you. But uh, we all know that's not true. Bad things happen to good people all the time. Um, and Jesus' answer is like, don't test which is such a mystifying and strange way to respond to that kind of idea because people aren't people aren't general people don't have this faith and they're not crying out for protect, protection as a way of like testing god they're doing it because they genuinely want to have a life that's safe and secure um, yeah i don't know it's
0: weird and don't get don't test which god like the is Jesus saying that because don't test Zeus, the God who's all-powerful, because he might choose to just, like, not save you? Or don't test, test that kind of strength because God may not have it? <laughs> mm. Are you trying to get more points than everyone else? It's okay. You are winning, so it's fine.
2: Um, on On the note about the testing, I noticed that Jesus says, don't test God but then when you look to the Old Testament you see things where it, it is people putting things out like the fleece testing whether it is God and that's not seen as a bad thing it's kind of seen as a confirmation yeah Are
0: you trying and tell me the Bible is in a seamless garment hmm. okay is that enough noticing or wondering or do we have any dr- any dregs? <laughs> I mean pearls. Oh yes.
1: I noticed that it says the devil led him and took him, and I just wonder why Jesus actually followed him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the black pigeon. <laughs> Rats of the sky, I've been called. <laughs> or if you are a pigeon lover. I quite like pigeons. In this text, we see Jesus saying no a lot. (laughs) But they're not just no's. They're also yeses. Yes to another way of being. Yes to a different path. One of the things we want to kind of sit with in the series is the idea that... This one. Saying no to false paths. It's saying yes to authentic ones. Now, knowing the difference is the trick, right? (laughs) But it's not just about a life of negativity. It's not just a life of saying no. It's a life of preparing yourself to be able to say yes to things that bring flourishing. What we get here is a glimpse of the suggestion that it's not just the end goal or destination that matters, but it's how you get there and when. Because how you get there transforms you. It shapes the way you deal with success and failure along the way, where you source joy and meaning. Throughout Jesus' life, we see people clamoring to force their hopes and agendas on Jesus, to persuade him to step up, to lash out, to seize control, to avoid danger. Yet at great personal cost, Jesus resists, sometimes angrily, sometimes pleading, often pushed to the edges of his humanity. We see a man clinging to a way of being that runs deep in his bones. During this series, we're going to hopefully explore what false paths and authentic lives might look like for us. This will involve exploring the well-worn paths of our culture and trying to discern whether they lead to life and flourishing. We're going to sit with a few questions, which are somewhere in here. There you go. Look at that. Sequential. What are some false paths that we as people have gone down? What are some paths that we've dreamed of traveling down but never have? How have we learned what folks' paths look like? Where have we clung to authenticity, even at great cost? In hindsight, (laughs) does it seem worth it? Just a reminder from last week. This series is not about walking a tightrope where if you choose the wrong flavor of milkshake, you fall to your doom. You should always choose rum, by the way, as it is said in Scripture. This is not about the harsh gaze of the divine accountant God, waiting for us to take a false step so he can write us off. We're dealing with Jesus, not Zeus. Instead, it's about our heavenly mother, our lavish father, inviting us towards authenticity and wholeness. Grace is a landscape, not a path. And there are many paths we can go down and stay within the realm of grace. It's not just about false steps, but about ways of being which take us toward or away from the kind of love that Jesus invites us into. I'm going to get Warwick to read the poem that he's prepared earlier. Um, It's a poem by Robert Frost called The Road Not Taken. And as we do, we're just going to sit for a moment afterwards to ask the questions, what does an authentic life look like for you? What false paths keep reappearing? This is something you might have sat with and wrestled with for a long time, or these might be brand new questions for you. So again, this is not a test, it's an invitation, and we'll be sitting with it for another few weeks yet. So even for those of us who are exceedingly slow, we'll have time to catch up. I'm gonna get Warwick to read and then we'll sit with those questions for a moment. If you'd like to get into a comfortable stance, that's also good.
3: Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. Sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler, long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for, that, as for that passing there, had worn them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves, no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence, Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference.
0: So loving God, we look around at the bodies around us, and we acknowledge the presence of God in them. We acknowledge their belovedness and their beauty, their frailty. We long to be people of authenticity. lead lives which bring love and kindness and generosity to each other. And we ask for grace where we maim and hurt and destroy each other. God be with us. We thank you for your life and your death and spirit for your resurrection. Let's eat and drink.